The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at tntradio.live. Where the story goes, we follow Chris Smith on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Still to come, the politically incorrect Jim Ball on the program and also Alex zaharoff Royt with his cyber and tech segment for this week. Lots to talk about there. Uh, and I'll get to your calls in just a short moment. I've got Shane Healy with me, the former ADF intelligence officer. Shane, wild scenes were seen in Israel over the weekend where a festive audience of thousands heard plans to rebuild Jewish-Israeli settlements in the heart of the Gaza Strip. Now, the audience was told about some plan for voluntary migration to resettle the Palestinian population elsewhere. A map also showed plans for 21 illegal Israeli settlements. They were displayed on a large screen. Just to put people uh, a little bit closer to what happened, here's a snippet of the kind of atmosphere that took place. Have a listen. Sounded like it was party time. There were also members of the Netanyahu party, uh, uh, that is the political party, present as well. So no wonder they're opposed to the two-state solution. By the sound of it, they made up their mind exactly what to do with the Gaza Strip. Is that possible? Oh, 100%. And that's been, uh, this isn't a new thing. And if uh, they've been trying this for since the Yom Kippur War. They want all of that territory, including the West Bank. They've, the um, the Israeli government have given Israeli West Bank settlers automatic weapons to, to start taking Palestinian houses now because the media is focused on somewhere else. Right. I, when I was in Israel in 2005 uh, doing an exchange with one of the Israeli intelligence uh, organizations, they spoke about it then and they, you know, they said, Shane, there's 9 million of us, there's 400 million of them, they want to push us into the sea and it's our right and it, this is our birthplace and we will defend it to the last. So that that encapsulates that feeling that it's their right place and it's they want it all. And then the world has to decide or the United Nations has to decide whether they sit back and watch that occur. Yeah, and they keep bringing up the Holocaust and that was terrible, but... That has nothing to do with what today's population. You know, you've got a few survivors and and let's pay homage to them. But the people dancing, the young kids dancing in that, they're looking for their new homes. Mm. This is a different uh, argument, different reasons. That, and and it's just we we uh, want to remove the Palestinians for our Israel. And that's, a, that's the core of the argument. I'll tell you what, if they're heading down that track and all pointers would uh, suggest that they are, It'll be interesting to see what the United States does. And when I say that, I mean this particular administration or even the next one. Um, just back in Australia, before we let you go, Shane, um, what a bizarre occurrence over the Australia Day long weekend with those two groups of neo-Nazis uh, all dressed up in balaclavas, travelling on trains, turning up in parks. The police knew exactly what was going on. Some of them, we hear, travelled from 
uh, Victoria for this particular uh, event and they didn't get to the event, not the Australia Day one. What do we know about this movement? Were they entirely Victorian-based? No, no, no. So, uh, in fact, today the leader of the South Australian uh, chapter was uh, before the courts in South Australia. It's growing ever since... uh, Nick McKenzie and 60 Minutes did a story on it. Yeah. It, its numbers exploded. Um, it's, you know, this is the the kind of violent extremism work that I do now domestically, which we've spoken about. And the problem is, and, and I've written about this extensively, and and when you look at a, a Muslim, like a Hamas member or an ISIS member, you don't see yourself. You see an enemy and a bad person. When you look at a right-wing extremist, you're looking in the mirror at someone that looks like you. And I've been trying to have the government, the home affairs, to have the tough conversation of what is legally right-wing violent extremism in Australia. Because violent extremism threats, words, language, it's not just the, the, you know, punching and and up to firearms and stuff. It, It starts with language. And they... It's easy to look at the outgroup, Jamaa Islamia, for example, and say they're bad, you know, they're a terrorist organization. Because, but all of a sudden, you're looking at you in the mirror with your and where do I? I'm just having problems with your connection, Shane. Your connection is really rough, rough as guts. Can you hear me now? Have have one last go at that. Go on. Maybe my voice. No, no, it's the connection. I've got to leave. I've got to leave it there, mate. Let's leave it there and let's reserve. Let's talk about the neo Nazis maybe next week or later in the week. Uh, I do want to get to that topic and do want to find out a little bit of insight into what they're up to, and why they would be up to that kind of. Um, I, I guess, ideology in Australia. It doesn't make sense to me. Shane Healy, former ADF intelligence officer. I apologise for that connection. It only broke up at the end. Um, I think we've got plenty of value out of Shane each and every time that he's appeared on the program, including today, uh, unpacking some of those developments from the Middle East. Let's take um, a quick break and then come back with Jim Ball, uh, the former talkback champion of nighttime radio in Australia and uh, the politically incorrect Jim Ball will join me right after this break. Keeping the commitment. I love you guys. Unbelievable. 24-7. Listen to you every day, half for years. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Let's go straight to our talkback line. Siv, go right ahead. Oh, okay, Chris. Um, look, I um, wanted to uh, respond to some of that. I- I'm just wondering how you... Um, actually knock out an ideology because on the one hand, yes, Israel wants to knock out Hamas and I, I, you know, I don't know whether they were able to do it but if they are, good on them but how do you knock out the ideology that actually exists, exists mm. in parts of the Middle East that's, that wants Israel off the map? Iran said that in the past in no uncertain terms, haven't they? Very true and you heard what Shane said. He was saying there's very little difference between the Palestinian Authority that runs the Gaza Strip, well, did, and Hamas, which That's is right. a, a fairly tall statement to make, but from a bloke who spent, you know, most of his career in the Middle East. Well, and that's right. And so um, 
and and all of us know or are aware of how horrific that October the 7th was, and the 7th was, and you can't blame Israel for wanting to retaliate. But if you want to look at the future, well, say you've wiped out Hamas, what's, who's to say that, um, that there's, some other, there's not some other group in that area that would think the same thing? And by the way, there are surveys by the Arab-speaking, uh, some of the Arab-speaking sites that have put the support for groups like Hamas at something like 80-something percent. Now, I don't know how true that is, but that's what's been said out there, that, that, that there are people who actually support what happened on October the 7th in that part of the world. Surely you can't knock that out, can you? TNT's Jeremy Now. Nice comment here from Rebecca. She says, the youngest people um, I work with are a bit more mature, but their interactions with the public is stifled, and she's referring to the excessive use of cell phones and social media and how it's making them so antisocial also. The business is open six days a week. One of his staff members formally requested that they shouldn't, you know, that they could they be given permission not to have to work on Wednesdays so that they could help at the dog shelter. Now, as you know, I'm a dog lover. I have hunting dogs. I've got dogs coming out of my ears, my Malinois, and this dog, this Malinois, is bright even by Malinois standards. She can do crossword puzzles. Is lying under my desk at the moment, feeling sorry for herself because she's just come on heat for the first time and she's completely bewildered. She doesn't know why she's bleeding to death. It's not about whether it's a good or a bad thing to work at animal shelters. That's a delightful thing. It's a noble thing to do. But who in their right minds goes to their boss and says, would you mind? I'd rather not work on Wednesdays if it's okay because I've got other priorities in a, in a town down the road. Jeremy now on today's News Talk. TNT. The Light is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles, and read back issues on our website, thelightpaper.co.uk, and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. Thelightpaper.co.uk Today's News Talk Radio. Now we're talking. TNT. Okay, we've got the gremlins uh, cleaned away. We've got Jim Ball on the program now. Hi there, Jim. Hello, Chris. How are you? Doing very, very well. Now, what do you make of this? Uh, the CEO of the Australian government's ABC has rejected claims the organisation is biased. He said the reporting of issues related to the Gaza war had been fair and balanced. All yours, Jim. Well, if it's okay for him to say that it's not biased, it must be all right for me to say that he's deluded. Because uh, this, what we're dealing with here is a clear illustration of cultural capture with the, the and it, his words ought to be etched in stone. There's no bias at the ABC. I mean, it's been there for as long as I can remember since Oops. this march through that institution started. He's been immersed and marinated in the culture of the ABC for 35 years. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah. He's so deep in it in that bubble that he cannot see, and he's surrounded by like-minded people. Yeah both in the terms of location of the ABC, inner city, in terms of the culture of the place. Uh, 
Uh, I mean, that Latouf stuff and that piece to camera by, I think it was Bridget Brennan the other day, uh, she's a journo to camera saying it's Aboriginal land, always was, always will be. Um, I'm sorry, these people are activists. Yeah, They're not journalists, they are activists. Yeah. And it's in your face. We don't want um, uh, the world viewed through their lens. We don't want... Rush Limbaugh used to talk about the drive-by media, uh, and that is them, but I took that and added to it to utilise it more broadly. Uh, I call it drive-by opinion. That is, people who know nothing, who just think they can toss out their views, their opinions, and have them accepted as holy writ. We just want the uh, the news without the spin, without the bias, without the distortion, um, and we'll make up our own minds. I mean, explain this to me. Only a few months ago, after nine years at the ABC, uh, his program was called Between the Lights, Tom Switzer. Mm. Now, Tom, he resigned from the ABC, and I'm just looking down uh, his decision was partly motiva motivated by the pressure of being a lone conservative mm. at the public broadcaster. And I'm quoting here from a piece in The Australian from back, oh, it might have been October, November, September. Uh, Tom's editorial decisions for the show were beginning to upset the sensibilities of some staff and even friends of the ABC, an ABC source told The Australian. It wasn't what his guests would say, but just the mere gesture of giving some people a platform, got people off offside. Yeah. And another source said at the ABC, Switzer had been ruffling feathers at Artie since he joined <laughs> nine years ago. But even even the fact that they would call give... it ruffling feathers, you mean yeah. giving another side of that's the right. story? Yeah, it's right. not ruffling feathers. Yeah, that, well, that's how, how marinated the culture is. Yeah. He dared to give guests who wouldn't usually appear on the ABC the time of day. Now, if that's not an insight into the mindset, I'm buggered if I know what is. Yeah, I've spoken to Tom about this privately, <clears throat> and I won't reveal what we discussed, but um, he bemoaned all of this, and he was so upset for the ABC because he has a great respect for the ABC, and he always has, mm. um, which mm. is why he worked for them. But he, he, he gets so discouraged by that kind of bias that he loses all respect for the once great ABC. And they're the yeah, kind of things that we discuss quite often. The, the barbarians are inside the gate. Now, last week they're in the US and I'm sure we don't have the same extent of media as they do there. But um, the doyen, if you like, the left wing, one of the left wing doyens, she's a 30 something uh, at the New York Times woman by the name of Taylor Lorenz. Oh yeah, She did a video rant on all of this and she was berating her own side. And she was talking about the LA Times, the Washington Post. They've all uh, either reduced staff or, in the case of Bud, BuzzFeed, uh, closed up altogether. Sports Illustrated, same story. They've just about closed up. So if the ABC is anything to go by, is it any wonder why people are simply tuning out? And so you say, well, okay, Jim, what's the fix? How, what do you do with the ABC? And, well, let's go to the last thing first. You don't sell it. That's the knee-jerk reaction. I'll tell you why. You know, why do you say that, Jim? Well, you, you don't sell it because you don't know who's going to buy it. The first time around, if somebody buys it, it may be a, a decent sale to a responsible broadcaster. But after that, you don't know who they're likely to flip it to or flick it to. Yeah. It could be um, one of those uh, woke billionaire types of Michael Cannon Brooks or one of those. Mm. 
uh, or who knows, Amazon and what's his name? Jeff Bezos might buy it. Look what he did to the Washington Post. But it's going to take that kind of billionaire money. And from what I assess around the world at the moment, all the billionaires are left wing, which goes back to something, a comment I made last time we spoke or maybe the time before that. I don't understand how, why this is. These people have made their money, their billions off the free market and all of that. Yeah. And they're, they're spending their time trying to uh, drag it down. So um, there was, there is a possibility, I suppose, that I know a, a group linked to the CCP could buy it. You just you don't know, so that's why you don't sell it. So the two workable option, options are: you make the ABC partially or fully subscription based, mm. right? So you own it, you subscribe to it. It's up to you. But the taxpayer funds no longer contribute to it. You leave the structure in place. But force the ABC, this is option two, you force the ABC to uh, live within its guidelines. And the third one is you, and I've been on about this for years, and I think it's the best one. You don't sell it, you don't compromise, you simply make it operate within it, within the bounds of its charter. You mm. put in an ABC czar. Now, you, you get rid of the board, you get rid of the managing director. There's an ABC czar. He goes in there. You don't give him a time, a time limit, because they'll just wait him out. That's how the left operates. Mm. They, oh, he's only here for five years or three. They'll wait you out, and then they'll pick up where they left off. Uh, you put all staff, major staff, on, I don't know, four-year contracts, three-year contracts, so that they they can't perpetuate their their um, their thinking down the line. But it it's going to take somebody. And I reckon that the person to do it, if he could do it, would be somebody like Maurice Newman, Morris Newman. Oh, yeah, who He's was on the chairman. board at one stage. He was he was the chairman of the ABC. Mm. He's been a businessman, so he knows how, how business operates. Because he was on the board and chairman, he knows where the bodies are buried and how the ABC operates. So somebody like that. And his charter, whoever it is, would be to hose out the Augean stables, streamline the operations, shut down niche departments and programs, and in this digital age, draft a new guidelines, a new set of guidelines. You know, it's the last time there was an inquiry into the ABC, I think was 1982. That was Malcolm Fraser, just before Bob. I think the, the report came out between when Fraser left and Hawke came in, but Fraser initiated it. So 1982, that's uh, 42 years ago, mm. and there's been no inquiry into the ABC since. There needs to be one. And having said all of that, who do I blame for all of this? The Liberal Party, because they are the ones that Labor's never going to do it because they're on their side. Mm. They're to the left. Mm. The only people who can affect change and have an inquiry and come back and put in a czar or whichever way or sell, whatever they decide to do is the Liberal Party. Well, it's they've never happen. been short of opportunities to do it, but they've That's never taken it. That, that, I mean, even when you had Janet Albrechtson on the board. Yeah. Uh, John Howard's best friend, I'm trying to think of his name, um, he was chairman and nothing changed. Mm. We've had I want to move on, mate. I want to move on. Now, these stage three tax cuts have been cynically used by the Labor government to patch up their, I guess, the hatred that they're copying from middle Australia. Um, but maybe the highest income earners haven't copped it enough. The Greens don't want high-income earners, which who are usually employers, of course, to benefit at all, and they're putting pressure on Labor to spread it further. 
Um, this sounds very familiar, mate. Greens controlling the Labor government. <laughs> the puppet masters, that's right. Um, look, the these... Um, well, a happy new Albo, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> As things stand, the, the tax, tax cuts 1.0, they were legislated yonks ago. Yeah. And now he wants to change it. But to change them to Albo 2.0, he's got to go back to Parliament. And so the Greens seem intent on leveraging their position to get something more amenable to their economic worldview uh, to get his revised As tax. As if they have any idea of an economic no. world. No, they no, they don't. Uh, but the coalition, they um, they want to keep things as they are because it was their legislation. Uh, so he needs either the Greens and the crossbenchers or the Liberal Party to get it through. Both of them have counter positions on it. Mm. Uh, there are libs. The libs are opposed to taxing to um, slashing the ca the tax cuts in the high income tax. Yeah, I think it's nine thousand dollars down to four thousand five hundred. Yeah. That'll be their slice of the pie. They don't want to upset their their base. So I guess the whole thing is down to, and I guess with the Greens, it'll be a whole lot of, um, okay, we want this on climate change or we yep. want that, you know, all environmental you stuff. Bet. So it'll come down to that. I'm sorry. It'll come down to a whole lot of, I mean, political horse trading, the last major political horse trade with the Greens that is affecting us to this day is when John Howard uh, traded nuclear energy in a deal with the greens back in yeah. 1998 yeah uh and look where we are now we can't yeah. even have a discussion it's just no. ridiculous <clears throat> now rebel news jim is reporting that a vandalized statue of captain james cook and i mentioned this to brian mcwilliams earlier when we were talking about holidays for christopher columbus in the united states <clears throat> being scrapped um they're not going to repair him by the sound of it because um it's going to cost too much they're showing very little interest at Yarra City Council. Meanwhile, police have made no arrests either. I guess that's okay if you and I pick up an angle grinder tonight, get out into the streets of Sydney and decide to cut some of these statues down. I guess we'll we'll um, get through unscathed as well, will we? Well, look, just back to your conversation prior to the top of the hour, you're talking about neo-Nazis. The police went after the neo-Nazis, rightly so. But they don't spend the they they don't pursue the Muslim clerics with the same alacrity, no. the same enthusiasm, mm. and it's the same thing here. What we're dealing with, I think, is a, a soft revolution, or if you like, I think what they call it is a color, not a color revolution, a velvet revolution. It's a soft yeah. revolution. Uh, the tactic is one of passive aggression. Yeah, uh, it's di designed to annoy and to irritate, uh, but it doesn't involve doesn't involve any violence. And it's long-term. It's a Gramsci march through the institutions, right? And it's about things like this, uh, removing symbols like statues by any means necessary, including cutting them down, removing traditions like Australia Day ceremonies. Um, I reckon Anzac Day will be on the block. Uh, it's a push-pull strategy. In other words, uh, the activists come in and do the dirty deed, but then the local council doesn't replace it. So one does the deed, the other doesn't replace it. And it has the same effect. We have a situation in uh, in Britain recently where a cab driver had the British flag on the back of his cab, and he was ordered by the police to remove it oh. because because it, it's divisive. Oh, stop! Absolutely, it's incremental, Pete. Uh, Chris, people get irate for a few days. Yeah. Um, talk back radio goes into overload. Yeah. 
and then everyone moves until until next time. Ten days ago, remember, it was Woolies deciding not to sell Australia Day gear. Mm. Then that's another version of it. Yep. Then it's Cricket Australia uh, in a set of what did he say? A set of weasel words uh, from the head weasel said that January twenty sixth would be recognised, but not Australia Day, right? <laughs> and so the idea of inclusion under DEI actually means exclusion. Yeah. And interesting to note. I don't know if anybody else picked up on this. Woolies and Cricket Australia both have their own in-house, repeat, in-house Indigenous advisory uh, board. Yeah. In other words, it's an internal voice. Mm. That's what it is. They have their own internal voices. And I bet if we were looking at minority groups or any kind of other ethnic ethnicity the main ethnicity in Woolworth stores in some areas of Australia could be Arab could be Lebanese it could yeah. be Chinese in areas like Chatswood it could be anything but you're not going to you're not going to have a board in Woolworths um that specializes in Aboriginal issues it's so twisted it's it's virtue signaling on steroids well this is how they operate they can't get it through Parliament this is like the World Economic Forum they can't get it through parliaments so they use external pressure like Blackstone Janet Albrechtson in today's Australia Australian made a point uh talking about the voice she wrote Though the government did fail miserably in its constitutional quest the ugly and bitter campaign did achieve one of its goals by stirring up anger and division, it energised activists to intensify their fight. The most rancorous Australia Day in history is testament to that. The aim of activists is to make Australia so contentious it will have to be abandoned. Mm. Final sentence, success by the activists will simply perpetuate the division. If a new Australia Day is chosen, the anger of those unhappy with the change will be directed to changing the new date. Division will become permanent. Mm. That's true. But yeah. this is the way they work. It's all again. It's they ought to. I tell you what they ought to do, Chris. The, these activists who don't like Australia Day, facts are facts of history are not my facts. Facts of the British arrived here in 1788, and they established the colony, which grew into what we have today. And back in the middle part of the the uh, 20th century, there was a Lutheran pastor. His name was um, Reinhold Nebor. Nebor. And he was the guy that wrote the serenity prayer, grant me the serenity, accept things I cannot, I change, cannot yes. change, change, courage to change, change the things, the things I, can, I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. difference. Well, here's something that they can't change. That is the history of Australia. Mm. And this is what they ought to do. Mm. They ought to accept the things they cannot change and have the wisdom to know the difference. Very true. That's my stay, advice to the actors. Stay activists. there, Jim. Stay there. I've got to go to a news right. break, and I'm going to come back. Uh, one more important issue, and... Uh, maybe off the back of that, uh, some calls, if I can uh, hear from, especially when it comes to some of these issues from Australia and New Zealand listeners or viewers, one eight hundred six seven zero three one zero. Let's go to the newsroom on TNT. Exciting news. Brace yourself. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with your TNT headlines. Hamas has confirmed it's reviewing a new proposal for a ceasefire in Gaza that would ultimately end the war with Israel. A woman who was awarded over $80 million for suing Donald Trump for denying he sexually assaulted her has been accused of making a mockery out of rape victims. And Pakistan's former Prime Minister Imran Khan has been jailed for a decade after being charged with exposing state secrets, claiming the US was complicit in his removal from office. 
globalist agendas, democratic rights at risk, corruption, propaganda. It never stops. For the news and views silenced by the mainstream media, by government and corporations, vote one. TNT Radio. Free speech always has a home here. Stay up to date with the latest live news and current affairs delivered by our lineup of expert commentators and hosts. Listen to TNT Radio anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk. This is TNT Radio. Jim Ball, let's just think that it's 2033 and a Labor government comes back in after a period of conservative governance and the Labor government says, well, we're going to change the date to January the 1st for Australia Day because it upsets too many people. Um, The voices have been too loud on Australia Day. The protesters have been too successful, too destructive. Um, they've upset everything and they take away from our Australia Day. So we're going to move it to January the 1st, which is when we proclaimed Australia as the term that it is, that is Australia. So all of a sudden, what happens on January the 1st, Jim Ball? I can tell you right now, we will have the same commotion occur right. before and during that Australia Day because it's Australia itself they hate the most. That's right. Look, uh, it doesn't matter what they do. Um, the, the activists are like water on a stone. It's a constant. It just keeps going, and it just wear, and the whole idea is to wear everyone down. Yeah. So, and while we're going about our day, working and doing whatever we do, these people are on twenty four seven. They 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 never sleep, and you can move <laughs> it to January the first. But then it's like the British cab driver, get the the flag off the back of your cab because it's too divisive. Yeah. Now you've got activists saying, well, Australia Day is too divisive. We move it to January 1, there'll be a core of people, probably the majority, because it's always the minority that wins these things. And they'll say, well, you know, that's New Year's Day. We don't want to, we know it, uh, January the 1st, 1900 and whatever, 101 or 101. One. Um we we know about that date, but New Year's Day is New Year's Day, and it's it's totally different. It's yeah. you need a special day, and I think yeah. January twenty six is about as good as it gets because that is history. Yeah. Okay. One final one. There's a story in the Herald and the Age today, and it's rather informative. A high ranking Home Affairs official, Derek Ellis. Uh, who has a little bit of a tussle with uh, his job, but we'll get to that in a second. He says that offshore detention costs are extremely wasteful. That doesn't surprise me. Uh, His examples include money spent on training the Nauruan president's dog. Taxpayers pay for that. And $6 million spent on umbrellas alone. Now, Ellis has a workers' compensation claim pending, so there's some sour grapes there. But, Jim, he's got to be heard. If this is what we're spending taxpayers' dollars on, how about we do an audit on every single dollar we spend overseas? Look, uh, as you'd know, there's a saying in journalism called burying the lead, uh, and that is where you take a key or the key feature of a story and bury it in the body of the piece. In this case, the lead or the sting is the very last paragraph. You've got to get right to the bottom to find out what this is probably all about. And I'll read you what it says. Home Affairs has hit back at Elias, claiming uh, Elias's claims that it wasted millions of dollars on services that were never delivered or which should never have been performed 
In the Administrative Appeals Tribunal, the department's lawyer accused the senior public servant of giving dishonest or misleading evidence to bolster his claim. So the whole story is about offshore processing, but really that's, this is what it's all about. But just on that, I mean, uh, nothing quite, well, first of all, nothing quite says uh, questionable tasks like spending $6 million on umbrellas <laughs> and <laughs> training the president's guard dog, God's sake. Jesus. And I'm sure you don't have to go offshore to find cronyism, no. uh, corruption, uh, moral and integrity concerns of waste yeah. and mismanagement. Yep. It's everywhere. But more broadly, I think um, Donald Trump, he had this, uh, which stopped the uh, the, border, the border problem that he had. It was called, it was his version of offshore. It was remain in Mexico, right? You want to come here? You stay there. If you don't stay there, you're, you're not coming in at all. Mm. And that worked. Mm. Ours is the same, except ours is Nauru or wherever, yeah. uh, island around the South Pacific. We've got a, a Manus Island. We've got a similar system. It's remain anywhere but not Australia. Mm. You want to come here, you do it the legal way. And so more broadly, it, it, it works because the message is you come here illegally, you're not going to get what you paid for. You want to use a people smuggler, you're going to an offshore processing centre. You could be there for years. And even at the end of all of that, you may not get in at all. Mm. So um, in the case of Trump over there and here, we know what happened. The illegal trade dried right up. Yeah. Very true. Hopefully America can get back to those days because the record number, I think, in December was 350,000. Wasn't it? Yeah, oh. something like that. Boy. It'll be eight million, and it's deliberate, Chris. This is designed to bring down America, yeah, economically yeah. to crash the system. Yeah, uh, that's what it's all about. Let's let's talk about that next time we've got you on the yes. program. Let's yes. talk about that the border problems that will no doubt uh, impact Biden's re-election. Um, and I have a feeling that the uh, America is sick to death of it. But we'll get there next time, yes. Jim. Good to have you on Thank the program. Thanks so much, Chris. Thank you very much, okay. Jim Ball. Um, always good to have him right here. This is TNT. I do want to get to our tech guru. Techadvice.life is the website you've got to go to, and there you will find Alex Zaharoff-Royt's reports and his videos and his presentations and everything else associated with cyber and tech. Alex, welcome to the program. Good afternoon, Smithy. Great to be here. Yeah, good to have you here. How is your Saturday night program going, by, by the way? Wonderfully. I had an Good. excellent interview both with Brett Levy talking about uh, eSports and how that's a huge uh, industry, bigger than Hollywood in terms of revenue. And also I spoke again with Dr. Natalia Ilyushina and we had sort of a part two discussion of the one we had a couple of weeks ago about AI and whether AI is taking jobs and the ethics and regulations and data privacy. So that was really great to speak with uh, Dr. Ilyushina again and uh, another great show lined up for this Saturday. So um Thanks to you. It's all happening, and please come and watch. Good stuff. All right. Neuralink implants, brain chip in first human. The implants have begun. Explain what's going on. Sure. Well, these implants are for people who are quadriplegics. They've lost use of their limbs, and this is a precise robotically implanted brain-computer interface. And the first 
version is called telepathy. So people can actually type just by thinking. They can control things just by thinking. And last year, we were speaking about it. Elon Musk got the first uh, of the uh, FDA approval to do a trial in humans. And before that, he'd done some of the trials in monkeys. And there was a bit of a scandal. One of the monkeys passed away. But uh, one of the monkeys was able to play Pong just by thinking. And so now the very wow. first one of these trials has been done. We don't know too much, but it, uh, they say it's gone very well. So, you know, one day uh, you may have quadriplegia or dementia and you might get one of these implants that can restore you back to uh, operating normally by giving you effectively superpowers it's magic stuff like literally if technology can be described as magic this is magic stuff and i think we've got to give musk a little bit of slack here if things do go wrong as we get down this track of inserting the chip i think we've got to be we've got to give him some slack because at least he is trying to jump further he, uh, further ahead and help people who wouldn't normally be helped absolutely and this is something that uh, again like you said it was it was just science fiction years ago if you could tell people 10 years ago that they could be using their brains to control things just by thinking about it you would have thought that it was never possible and here we are 2024 first human trials have been done will be the first of many obviously it's people who need this at first whether this will be abused in the future and people will want to get these sort of implants to try and get to some sort of a artificial boost like people are taking uh, various forms of amphetamines and low doses to try and uh, uh, juice their behavior or that movie limitless with uh i forget his name now but the the famous uh, actor you know who could take a pill and suddenly could do all these things in record time i mean if you can augment your brain with a chip you can achieve the same sort of things mm. and so uh in the future this could be abused but for now it's for people who uh, couldn't be helped in any other way yeah exactly we should be very supportive of it now we all got rid of the floppy disk i don't know about 15 to 20 years ago yeah. japan has continued to use floppy disks why is that and why have they now decided to get rid of it well because the discs are archaic i mean there can't be too many factories left still making them nobody uses them but in japan they've had regulations that various communications to the government and by the government have needed to be not only on floppy disks but burnt onto cds i mean who burns cds anymore right. and even even mini discs well these, these are archaic uh regulations i mean the speed of government as we know can be very slow and look some of these uh conditions were decided to be done away with in 2022. But even though they're now saying that uh, we want to use stop the use of floppy disks, there are still going to be some instances where it's still required. So Japan's probably the only place in the whole world where anybody, and, and this is the government government wastage and all the rest, they're still buying floppy disks. And uh, even though they're, they're now going to stop use of it, it's still going to be in use in some places. So will Japan have stopped use by 2033 or 34? I don't know, but uh, hopefully. <laughs> I, I I had a library of floppy disks and I put things on the floppy disk that I thought I would keep forever, but it's no good yeah. keeping it forever because you can't do anything with it. None of my That's laptops, right. none of my laptops take a flop, floppy disk. Look, I still have a couple of uh, three and a half inch um, drives that connect to a computer via USB. They were from some very old uh -huh. Dells and I still have them and I still have some old floppy disks, but I mean, I haven't plugged it in and used it in well over a decade. Uh, it's just there for nostalgic sake. But uh, yeah. funnily enough, in Japan, the government's still using them. Even though this edict is in place, people still write this very second of copying something to a disk to give to the government. Crazy. Okay. Now read between the lines for me. What is Apple doing delaying the launch of their EVs? Well, look, it's very difficult 
to make a car that can be truly autonomous. Apple wanted to delete the gas pedal and brakes and steering wheels from their cars completely. They wanted full level five autonomy so that the car could drive itself flawlessly every time. But they started this project in 2014. Here we are in 2024, and the car was supposed to come in 2028. I mean, it was supposed to be here by now. Now they're saying it's going to be delayed till 2028. And of course, in the States, we have Hertz that's decided to sell uh, a third or half of its yeah. fleet. Uh, we've got uh, EV cars piling up in showrooms because there's a glut of them. And yep. we even had the problem in Chicago where people are trying to charge their cars and the doors are won't open and the yeah. batteries are half frozen. And so there's definitely EVs to some degree in the States at least have gone a little bit off the boil. Yeah, they sure have. And uh, what's happening in the States needs to be a lesson to every other country as well. But last month on um, on your website, you interviewed the chief of car manufacturer BYD. His name is Luke Todd. Now, BYD has every reason to crow at the moment, haven't they? Absolutely. They have surpassed Tesla now as the number one uh, EV in the world. They're from a company that was making batteries for mobile phones from this size down to this size for 30 years. So they know how to make sure they don't start spontaneously exploding. But have a listen to this clip about just how big BYD is in Australia and globally. We've got now the largest EV footprint, whether it's service, uh, retail, including our digital uh, presence, of any automotive EV brand in, in Australia. The launch of BYD, in fact, over the last 18 months has been the most successful new car launch of any brand ever in Australia's history. So we're expanding very quickly, but what we're doing is really just what's been happening around the world for the last five or 10 years. We're expediting it and bringing it all to make more Australians avail themselves of the EV technology, the best EV technology in the world. And that's what we're very proud about. So, Alex, how did they get on top of this over the likes of Tesla? Is it because they're uh, producing what they think they can sell as opposed to overproducing or they don't have the same dramas with technology? What is it? I think it's more of a case that they don't, they don't necessarily have the same dramas with technology. Manufacturing in China, they would have a lower cost base than Tesla. Uh, they've got plenty of different battery technologies to choose from. And I mean, there's so many more factories in China. And also, for example, with BYD in Australia, when they had all those delays over the past couple of years through COVID, they had to develop different ways of getting ships into the country. So they had different ships and, and they just wanted to avoid having these different problems. So the Chinese are very resourceful and smart. And I mean, Elon Musk gets some of his cars made in Shanghai because he recognizes, you know, the importance of, of the Chinese manufacturing base as well. But BYD has been around, as I said before, for over 30 years making all those batteries. And so they're a phone battery company that's become a car company as opposed to uh, Elon Musk sort of helping to create a car company from nothing. So they've got mm -hmm. their strengths and uh, the Chinese can afford to make things cheaper and, and make it up later on uh, as a bit of a loss leader. And they've got three cars now in Australia under $50,000. Those cars were expected to be $15,000 higher in price. So they've really shocked the market. And uh, BYD, you go into the Westfield sh uh, shopping centers in Australia or around the world, and you see a pop-up, it's a BYD. And you, I see more and more of them on the on the streets now. I, I see them as often as I see Teslas in Australia. Yeah, very true. I, I'm, I see them quite often too. So that's a really terrific, terrific result for them. Great story as well. I want to talk about AI and a number of other things right after I take a break, Alex. I've got to do that. We'll do that right now on TNT. Sometimes life can be overwhelming and suicide may seem like the only way to relieve the pain. Beyond Now is an evidence-based app created by Beyond Blue to help you cope when suicidal thoughts start to appear. You can use it to create an easy-to-follow plan that is personal to you 
and includes steps like know your warning signs so you can act early, make your environment safe by removing harmful items, activities you can do or people you can be with to distract yourself from suicidal thoughts, reminders of things that make you feel strong. Some of these steps might be tough to fill out and that's okay. It can be helpful to make or share your safety plan with a trusted friend, family member or mental health professional. You might feel like you're alone, but help is available. If you're worried you can't stay safe, use the red telephone icon to call your emergency contacts. Download the free Beyond Now app today to create your personal safety plan. The impact of a meal goes well beyond feeding our bodies. Because when people are fed, futures are nourished. Everyone deserves to live a full life. And with your help, together we can end hunger. Join the movement at feedingamerica.org slash act now. You're with Chris Smith on today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Can't believe we've already got to the back end of the program. Lots to talk about today. Lots of people to talk to, which is the way we like it. Alex Zaharoff-Royt is from techadvice.life. Alex, ChatGPT5 is coming soon. How much better will it be, the five? Well, if you thought ChatGPT 3.5 in November 22 was good, and then the March update, which allowed you to have text and images and then in november we had chat gpt turbo for turbo which you could have videos and all these other things it was super fast well sometime in qu- quarter two which is april may or june mm-hmm. we're going to see chat gpt 5 launch and that's going to blow things out of the water it's going to uh, almost seem like it's superhuman and in- interestingly there's a big fight between chat gpt open ai and google google's uh G- bard pro its version of Bard, that is sort of the one in the middle, has actually beaten every other version of GPT-4 except GPT-4 Turbo. So they're now in number two spot. And so in the next couple of months, we'll see GPT-5 launched, and we'll also see Google's yet-to-be-released Bard Ultra. So who's going to win, Chat GPT-5 or Bard Ultra? There's going to be a big fight between the two. It'd be fascinating to see. They're each going to want to claim supremacy over the other. So, so how are we measuring this? How, what, what are we saying? That they just do the same things faster or they do different things? Well, it's how they, it's the complexity of what they can do. Like when they launched ChatGPT4 Turbo, they yeah. had a demonstration where they showed a guy taking a photograph of a bike seat and he asked the ChatGPT, how do I change this seat? And uh, and it says, okay, well, you need to move this lever, unscrew it, and push push the seat down, screw it back. Then the guy took a photograph of one of those toolkits that had all these different uh, screwdrivers and nuts and bolts inside, and he said to the chat GPT, do I have the right tools in this toolkit? And also, here's, an inst- here's a picture of the instruction manual. Do, do I have the right tools that it- this instruction manual talks about? And it looks at it and says, yep, you've got the right tools. You've got to get the, the nut and bolt on the fourth row, grab that one, then you unscrew this thing on the seat, move uh-huh. the seat up and down, screw it up so it's giving you these detailed instructions that normally you would need to pay a you know a plumber for to how to fix something with yeah. the bike guy and chat gpt5 is going to just do that and more with vision with seeing things you know you'll show it pictures of, i mean like like i just said you show pictures of things and it's understanding it so this is going to seem again like instead of talking to a a, a you know 15 year old who's aced year nine you're going to be talking to like a university graduate that like knows it inside out 
Now, I know that Elon Musk is a little bit busy at the moment, in particular with his brain implants, but he's also got time to, you know, do his own AI project. Where is that up to? Well, Brock is uh, still not yet released to the general public. You need to be a Premium Plus subscriber. So Premium is the blue tick. That's about 14 bucks a month. To get Premium Plus is 28. So the general public hasn't used Grok, but Grok has been widely quoted by different people. But Musk has announced that Grok 1.5 is coming very soon. And he's also announced that his uh, Tesla is going to spend 500 million, half a billion US dollars to buy a whole stack of AI chips for data centers and supercomputers, a stack from NVIDIA and also a stack from AMD who have their NVIDIA beating chips. So Elon Musk is going all in on AI and an update to Grok is coming soon, uh, you know, very soon too. Okay. Now, if people aren't paying attention to the scam industry at the moment, they must be living under a rock because it is rife. What's yes. Optus doing with scam-wise, Alex? Well, what they're doing is something that we've seen from Telstra and Vodafone as well. They're stopping 2 million scam calls and 2.8 million scam SMSages a day in their internal systems from actually arriving on the phones of their customers. But of course, oh. as we've all seen, those sort of messages still manage to leak through. So if the phone companies like Optus and Telstra Vodafone weren't doing all this blocking at a network level, we'd just be inundated. We wouldn't be able to use our phones because we keep on getting fake calls and pings and messages and missed packages and all the rest. So they're working very hard. Look, their reputational damage was there from the uh, network failure last year mm. and the hack. And uh, I guess this is a bit of good news, but this is the, the things that banks and phone companies and utilities have to do to protect their customers, us, from being hassled, scammed and uh, the scamming has never been uh, as bad as it is today, and it's only getting worse. It is only getting worse. I'm glad you mentioned that. And so well done to Optus for at least getting down the right path. Yeah. Now, I mentioned on the program yesterday about this deep fake that Taylor Swift has been embroiled in, where Taylor is seen, and it looks to be incredibly genuine, technically, visually genuine, uh, involved in a sex act. She is like angry as hell, although she's yeah. focused a little bit more on the Super Bowl at the moment. Um, what do you do about all of this? Now, I'm I'm one that sort of suggests let things roll because it will be what it, what it is and there's nothing that you can do to get into the way of it. But, you know, if I was a person that was fake like Taylor Swift was, and it's easy for us to be cynical and go, oh, don't worry, Taylor's a billionaire, it'll be fine, she'll look after herself. Uh, we know it's a fake. But for normal, everyday people who may have a dispute with someone who's handy using AI, they could easily become the victim of a deep fake. They could. And look, celebrities have been photoshopped onto the bodies of sex workers for the last 20 years, long yep. before AI could do it for you. True. If you ask ChatGPT to, to do that, and to put some famous celebrities head on and or doing something, it'll say it can't do it. So people are using like Rogue or, you know, GPTs that they've hacked uh, or that have, that have removed the safeguards to create these images, which, again, the if you ask Google Co Microsoft Copilot or Google Bard or ChatGPT to do it, it'll just point blank refuse. It'll say it won't do it. In fact, I've seen these posts on the internet where you ask it to make a, a joke about uh, Jesus Christ, it'll quite happily do it. But if you ask it to make a joke about the Muslim religion, it says, oh, sorry, can't do that. So, I mean, there's all sorts of weird standards where it's okay for one and not okay for the other. But uh, we're in the age of thousands of different AI programs 
programs and people have been able to figure out how to get AI to do these sorts of things. Now, people like Twitter and X and Facebook, they have to take these things down. Sometimes they don't take things down. They make it difficult for you to complain. Uh, whether there needs to be some sort of edict from the government that says, look, if there's been a legitimate complaint, you've got to take this thing down within hours and not leave it up for days. I don't know. We've got to be careful not to have too much regulation, as we spoke about with Dr. Natalia Ilyushina. But uh, yeah, when people are, are being harassed like this, then some sort of action needs to be taken. And you also have the other side of the coin where someone like Kim Kardashian, like I think, well, well some of these people release their sex tapes on purpose uh, to get the notoriety uh, as opposed to uh, having deep fakes created. So some people do it on purpose. Other people are, are victims. But, I mean, I, you did say it yourself, we don't have to be too worried about Taylor Swift, but by the same token, if it was your son or daughter or relative, we wouldn't be too happy about it. No, you're right. All right. The Australian government is going to boost mobile coverage on highways. I came back from Yamba um, in the middle of January, and I can't tell you the number of times on a six-lane motorway coming back into Sydney that I lost internet connection. Now, I didn't drive for some of that trip, so I was looking forward to getting some work done and and doing my uh, the stuff that I normally do, but so often I didn't have internet connection, and I thought then we've got to do better than this. Absolutely. I mean, it's a surprise to think that we don't have great internet on the freeway. As I've been driving between Sydney and Canberra for, I don't know, more than a decade, like 20 years, I've noticed in the past year or so that there are times when the phone suddenly says 3G and I'm listening to TNT radio or I'm, I'm listening to some podcast or something and suddenly it cuts out because it's gone to 3G. Yeah. The phone companies have been removing all the 3G towers because they're switching it off by the middle of the year um, and uh, they're putting in 4G, but there's a gap between when the 3G switched off and the 4G switched on. Now, the last trip I made was on the weekend to Sydney. I'm in Sydney right now. And uh, I actually didn't notice that. And I know that there's been a lot of work done. And look, the government, Michelle Rowland, the communications minister, has announced that there is a, a regional roads Australia mobile program. They're putting in $50 million. Not only are they going to be upgrading the, the existing infrastructure, but they're going to actually be also putting in new towers from the, you know, if Telstra is there, they're going to put in Optus and Vodafone towers too. And this is not just so that you can get your triple O calls. You know, piggybacking from one carrier to another, but so that people can have much stronger phone and mobile service along the freeways and major roads of Australia. So we don't get that dreaded no yeah. signal. And yes, we're going to have Elon Musk and Amazon satellites giving it to us. It'll come to our unmodified mobile phones, but that's all uh, still two or three years away. These other towers can be put up much faster. And I'm glad to see the government put, putting some money into it. It's a that's real problem that needs to be solved. Exactly. does need to be solved. One last one, the global... Safer Internet Day is coming next week. Yeah, it's on Tuesday the 6th. And if you go to the esafety.gov.au website, they've got the Australian information there. They're telling us to connect safely by keeping apps and devices secure and reviewing your privacy settings regularly. They can reflect on how your actions online may affect others or your safety. And you can also protect yourself and others by visiting esafety.gov.au to find out how to stay safe online and report online abuse and that information for parents, for kids, for schools. Lots of great information there. Check it out. Safe internet. Every day should be safer internet day, but don't let yourself or your kids be, uh, you know, groomed by people online who are con connecting to them through games or through whatever other services. Take responsibility. Have a safe environment for your kids. Surf with them. Go on social media with them. Teach them. Explain things to them. Don't leave it up to the internet to be the babysitter. Otherwise, you might lose your kids. That is very, very true. Don't leave it to the internet to 
have its own rules, you've got to get over their shoulder and be part of it. Don't uh, don't think you can't do that and don't think you uh, don't have a responsibility to do it. That's a really good message, mate. I've got to let you go. We'll see you on Saturday night, which is Australian time, and uh, we look forward to hearing you on TNT. Good on you. I'll be back again next Wednesday. Thanks so much, Mithy. Bye-bye. Thank you, mate. Much appreciated. You go to his website, of course, which is techadvice.life for all of what we discussed and a whole heap more. You can do that right now. Alex Zaharoff-Roy, our Wednesday cyber and tech guru. I've got to get out of here. Dean Mackin is coming up next. I look forward to your company at the same time tomorrow. A lot of good things happening on the program as well. I know you'll be interested. This is Chris Smith on TNT. TNT.